There is something in all of us. I don't really know any person who, who doesn't enjoy it. You know, the, the story of a comeback. You know, the story of a turnaround. The story of, of someone who seems down and, and out and how their situation out of nowhere changes. Uh, and suddenly there's hope. You know, there's something built into us which, which loves stories like that, isn't there? Um, sports can give us a lot of those great comeback moments. Anyone who's into sports. Um, most of you probably know that I'm, I'm a Doncaster Rovers fan. Um, and um, I can't imagine there's anybody else here who's a Donny Rovers fan. I've probably sat on my own, but that's okay. Um, now, growing up, Donny were in the conference. Um, now we're at the heady heights at the top of League Two, just one place above Plymouth. Um, but um, you know, back when I was growing up, we were we were down in the conference, and so the kind of the normal thing for a lad in Doncaster, even if you were a Donny fan, was that alongside following Doncaster, you also supported a Premiership team because everybody has to support a, a Premiership team. And back in the day, I followed Man United. I know, I'm sorry. I've learnt my lesson. But you know, I remember an incredible turnaround. And one of the most incredible turnarounds I've ever witnessed is on the 26th of May, 1999. And it's the Champions League final. And Man United are playing Bayern Munich. Six minutes into the game, and Bayern Munich score from a free kick. It's Mario Basler. Catches Schmeichel unawares, and it's not a great start. Half-time comes and goes, and United are still 1-0 down. You get 60 minutes, 80 minutes, 90 minutes, and it's almost up. The assistant referee holds up the sign to say three minutes of added time. Surely any hope of United winning at this stage has gone, and the best that they can hope for is an equaliser. Take them to added time, to extra time. And then a minute into added time and Beckham takes a corner. Big old Schmeichel, big old Pete, he runs the length of the pitch, gets up there to try and and see if he can make a difference. Last gasp moment. And in that one moment, everything changes as Teddy Sheringham gets the equaliser. And here's a picture of his celebration. (laughs) Two minutes later, it's the 93rd minute. The last minute of added time. United get another corner. Beckham takes the corner. And this time, it's super sub, the baby-faced assassin, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. The whistle goes. And in the space of three minutes, United go from being down and out to having a glimmer of hope to having won the Champions League. It was a great turnaround. You know, in the space of a few minutes, what seemed like was going to be defeat became a great victory to be celebrated. You know, and this morning we gather together to remember and to celebrate the most significant, the most dramatic, the most life-changing turnaround in the whole of history with the events of the first Easter. You know, Jesus, just a, a week before Easter, He rides into Jerusalem with crowds along either side of the road, shouting, Hosanna, Lord, save us! He's the man of the moment. His followers have have put all of their hope in him, and and he will bring about change. He's going to set them free from the Romans. He's going to enable them to, all that feeling of being trapped in life and trodden down is going to be gone, and they're going to be recognized as God's favored people. He's going to change everything. And then just days later, their hope crumbles. Jesus is arrested. 
and then cruelly tortured and crucified on what we know as Good Friday. He's declared clinically dead by an expert in killing a Roman soldier. And his body is laid in a tomb. And put to death alongside Jesus, buried alongside Jesus, is the hope of every single one of his followers. Now I wonder if you've ever had one of those moments in life where you sit back and ask yourself, surely life isn't meant to be like this. When I'd imagined what my life would be be like and what the future held, I never imagined this. It's like life has just become a bad dream I'm waiting to wake up from so I can get back to really living. And I think that's how Jesus' followers must have felt on Easter morning. Lost. Hopeless. Wondering how could this possibly have happened? Life wasn't meant to be like this. And they stay in that place of despair for three days. Then reports come in that, that the tomb is empty. There's this, this glimmer of hope. But two of Jesus' followers have already given up. They're like fans who, who leave the game early. Because all hope has gone. And these two followers of Jesus decide it's time to accept what's happened. They move on and they start the journey home. They're filled with doubt and despair. They've no idea what the future holds. They leave the rest of the disciples in Jerusalem and begin walking to the village of Emmaus. And as they walk, all that they can think about, all that they can talk about is what has happened in the last week with Jesus. And then something that they could never have expected happens. Jesus joins them on the journey. They don't recognize him at first. He's just this guy who comes along and starts chatting, but he listens to them. And then he shares with them. And finally he reveals himself to them. And in doing so, he turns their lives around. All of the despair and their doubt and their fears are gone. And hope suddenly comes back. And they do a complete 180. And start to head back to the action to celebrate with the other disciples that Jesus is alive. This is how Luke tells the story in Luke 24. It says that same day, the same day as the reports came in that the tomb was empty and Jesus' body was gone, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. You can... Imagine this this moment as they walk towards Emmaus and they start expressing how disappointed they are about what's happened. They're expressing their feelings of dashed hope and defeat. And what they don't realise in that moment is that Jesus is right there next to them. And I think this is an amazing picture of how even today Jesus wants to come And join you. And come and join me on our journey in life. He wants to meet us where we're at. Wherever we're heading. To reveal himself to us. To bring us hope. And to turn our lives around.
You know, it might be that you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus, but, but life has been hard and you've been struggling and battling with, with doubts. Maybe you feel trapped and almost hopeless and you're in need of a fresh encounter with Jesus. It may be that you're here and recently you've been through some big things. You've experienced great disappointments and there is pain and confusion in your life right now. And I want to tell you that Jesus wants to meet you where you're at today. Maybe you're here and you've never become a Christian and you're not really sure what it's all about. Wherever you are at today, whatever your situation and your circumstances, however you are feeling, one of the great things that we see in this story is that Jesus draws alongside us. He seeks us out. He meets us where we're at and he is present with us even when we don't recognize him. Even when we have no idea that he's there. You know, maybe like Jesus' followers, you're in a moment right now when you are thinking, if only things had gone differently. Things haven't worked out the way that you hoped that they would in a relationship or a job situation or whatever it might be. And we all face times like that in life. We all reach a point at some time where we realize that things don't always work out the way that we hope they will. And in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst of of the moment when it seems like our hope has been dashed, you need to know that Jesus, just as he was on the road, physically present with his disciples, Jesus is present with you. He's present with you today. You know, one of the most fantastic and life-changing truths that that has impacted me more than I, I can even begin to express that we find in Jesus is that God doesn't stand aloof. He doesn't stand in, in heaven and look down on us as this distant, detached God. You know, when, when God became a man in Jesus, he identified with our humanity and our weakness. And he came into the midst of our suffering And he expressed in the most incredible way that he is a God who puts his love into action. By stepping into our mess in order to lift us out of it. Now even though you may not readily see where Jesus is right now. Even though you may feel alone in what it is that you are facing. God wants to let you know today that he is with you. That he is right there. That he is alongside you. That he is stepping into your mess in order to lift you out. If we go back to the story of Jesus with his followers on the road to Emmaus, this is what Luke writes happens next. As Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that, that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and of all the people. But our our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then then some women from our our group, a group of his followers, were at his tomb early this morning. 
And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, the great thing that we see here is that Jesus takes the initiative. He comes alongside them, he meets them where he's at, they're at, but then he starts the conversation. And the fantastic thing about this is that Jesus is not only with us, but he's wanting to speak to us. He's wanting to speak to you and to speak to me. And to help to open our eyes and to bring us hope and to turn our lives around. He is speaking to us if we'll listen to him. Sometimes he'll speak through the promptings of our hearts. Sometimes he'll speak through other people. Sometimes he'll speak through our circumstances. But the major way that he speaks to us is through the Bible. You know, and that's what we see Jesus does on the road to Emmaus. You know, later on, if you, if you read on when he appears to the disciples, he shows them his body and points to himself. But he doesn't try and reveal himself by pointing to his, his physical person. Instead, this time, he goes to the Bible. And he starts to explain to them the different prophecies and how it all points to him. And, and you know, we're in an even better position than those guys on the road to Emmaus were. Because we not only have the Old Testament with the prophecies that point to Jesus, but we have the New Testament which is all about him. And we can read about him and how we can follow him and what it looks like and what it is that he's done for us and how he can transform our lives. You see, the Bible is not an outdated, boring book of rules. But it is the most popular, most translated, most powerful book in history. You know, through the Bible, God has worked to change the lives of billions of people. And he is still changing lives today. Now the point is this, God is not only with you, but he is speaking to you. And more often than not, that is going to be through the Bible. The question then is, are we listening? And when we hear him, how are we going to respond? Because you see, as wonderful and as comforting as it is to know that Jesus is with us, and as incredible and as eye-opening that it can be to know that Jesus is speaking to us, the moment when our lives are turned around, when everything changes, when transformation takes place, comes in the moment when we respond. I'm going to ask Cindy just to, to come up. Cindy, just as we were worshipping, felt uh, God gave her a picture. And I'm just going to ask Cindy just to come and, and share that with us. Thanks, Cindy. During the worship time, uh, the picture was that here, like right where I'm standing, there was a door. And the aisle was there and somebody was standing at the back. And the person who was standing looking at the door was thinking, 
I wish that door was nearer. And then Emma gave that um, picture about the cross. And I felt that God was saying, Jesus did everything that needed doing for you all those centuries ago. That door is still there. And the biggest gift I've given any one of you is your free will. I need you to come to the door. I need you to come and I need you to knock on that door so that I can open it and be there for you. And that is because I want to know that you want me. You see, when we look at the moment of, of when the turnaround and the transformation takes place for the disciples on the road with Jesus. You know, when I think about the moment of turnaround in my life and, and when I've heard the stories of Alan and Paul and the moment of, of turnaround for the guys who are getting baptised today. You know, the turnaround, the transformation, the new hope, the new life, it comes when we respond to Jesus. When we make a personal decision to invite him in. This is how Luke captures that moment. Uh, This is what he writes. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him. Stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. You know, Jesus has been with them. He's been speaking to them on their journey. But there's something that is easy to miss. Jesus acted as if he was going to carry on. Seems strange, doesn't it? But you know, I wonder what would have happened, what the future might have been for these two men if they hadn't responded to Jesus. If they hadn't invited him in and instead they'd allowed Jesus to just keep going. Now thankfully that doesn't happen. Because they invite Jesus in. And it isn't until after they invite him in, it isn't until after they respond to what it is that he's saying by saying we want more of you, that he reveals himself to them. And he takes the bread and he breaks it. And in that moment their eyes are opened and their lives are turned around. In that moment despair and disappointment falls away and they do a full 180. And they go back to celebrate with the other disciples, that Jesus, Jesus is alive. You know, it's an amazing transformation moment, but the key to their transformation is that they invited Jesus in. And it's only after that moment that they realise that the cross and the death of Jesus is not the place of defeat that they thought it was. Far from it. Instead, it is through the cross that Jesus came, not just to set the people of Israel free, which is what they were hoping for, but to set every single one of us free. Free from guilt and shame and everything that would stop us from enjoying God's best in our lives. This is how Paul describes the transformation that takes place in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He says, you were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Your life was a lost cause. 
you had no hope, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now the reason that we celebrate today that Jesus is alive is because it is through his death and his resurrection that we can be alive. That we can know life. That we can be forgiven. That we can have a new start. That we can have a hope. Whatever the wrong things that we have, have done in life, whatever mess we might find ourselves in, however lost or trapped or hopeless we may feel, the truth is that God is with us, that he is speaking to us, and that he is simply waiting for us to invite him in. And as we invite him into our lives, and into the specific fears and struggles and the circumstances that we face, his promise is that he will set us free. And he will bring us life, and life in all its fullness. And as we see with the two followers of Jesus, it's in that moment of encounter with Jesus that everything changes. It took three minutes for United to turn everything around. It only takes God a moment to turn our lives around. Why don't we watch a video together which expresses something of what God is saying to us today and what he is waiting for us to respond to. It takes a moment. Our lives are filled with moments. Moments stacked upon moments building to the sum of a life lived. Pictures beside my casket of who I impacted and what I did. Moment upon moment upon moment. When we were little, we pictured the moment of being this age. We may have even dreamt of the moments that led up to it. Were we right? Were we wrong? Am I where I thought I'd be in this moment right now? I bet you didn't count on the chains, you know, the mistakes, the big ones, the weights we'd carry. Were we dreaming of the moments we'd hurt people? people we love with those mistakes? Were we dreaming of the shame of the things we'd say, the things we'd devour with our eyes, the compromises we'd make at home, at work? Were we thinking that at this moment we'd be a better father by now, or a better husband, or even just a better man? Our lives are filled with moments Did we see these coming? Shame, hurt, disgrace, pain, guilt, distress. Am I good with who I am? Are you proud of who you are? Is there more? Isn't there more? It takes a moment. Just one moment. What if these chains can be broken? That's what you do with chains, right? You find someone stronger, and you get their help, and then the chains come off. What if you can be free 
from shame and guilt and disgrace and pain? What if there was someone stronger? Much, much stronger. What if that one loves you and wants to snap chains from you like straw today, this weekend? What if you can be free? What if God himself wants to free you with his own hands? It just takes a moment. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because if the Son will set you free, you will be free indeed. I love the little line, you know, when you're trapped in the chains and you're not strong enough to break them, what do you do? You look for someone who's stronger. You know, and what we, we celebrate today as, as we look to, to Easter and the, the fact that Jesus overcame death is the fact that there is no one stronger than him. That he has all of the victory. That he has overcome everything which can come against us. And so as we look to him, as we put our hope and our trust in him, we can do that with a confidence, knowing that he is more than strong enough. More than strong enough to set us free.